Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 64th episode of the Truth Island podcast. Mark has just signed the lease on his very first apartment. He is very excited that for the first time in his life, he will have a place all to his own. He packs some of his clothes and a few of his childhood belongings and moves into his new apartment. Being a young bachelor in his early 20s, Mark decides that all he really needs is a small tray table to eat meals in front of the TV and doesn't bother splurging on any furniture outside a couple of folding chairs. When his new mattress arrives, he decides to just sleep on it at night instead of installing a proper bed frame. In Mark's world, everything is very basic and utilitarian. As long as things work, as they should, why go the extra mile, Mark figures. A couple of weeks later, Mark decides to invite some of his college friends over to show off his new place. And well, they seem to have some suggestions. Uh, gee, uh, Mark, I, I, I kind of noticed those walls look a bit bare, one friend remarks. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Most people stop seeing these things after they hang them up after a few days anyhow. Less, the less, less clutter, less to worry about, Mark replies. Yeah, well, it just seems if nothing, nothing of your personality is really shining in this apartment, the friend retorts. Eh, space is space. Besides, I spend so much time at work. This is just a crash pad. I eat my meals here. I go to bed. It, it doesn't really matter. As the night ends and the last guest leaves, Mark begins cleaning up his apartment and his mind returns to his earlier remarks. Is space really just space? Or is it perhaps something more than that? Here, to help Mark with his space question, I am once again joined with Gabby. Gabby, I'm sure you go to bed at night on a box spring mattress on the floor, right? That, that's how you roll? <laughs> uh, it's funny, I actually just moved into my new place in March, so I actually do need to buy um, a headboard, but um, <laughs> so you caught me, I, you know, I'm getting there, but um, I, uh, it's funny too, because, you know, I'm only 27 and I've been through like the ups and downs of like starting off, you don't have a lot of money. Maybe you're just starting a job. And yeah, originally I wasn't necessarily focusing on design or, or in, you know, anything interior it was just like trying to save money, maybe grab a bite to eat with friends. And like, that was it. But as I got older, I started to realize that if I put a lot of energy and like conscious decision making into what I actually brought into my apartment, um, it started to actually reflect that in my day to day life. So it's kind of the saying goes dress for the job, you know, you want to have or dress for the person you want to be. Um, it's kind of the same exact scenario. If you dress up your apartment to reflect your future self you're going to almost bring your future self to fruition sooner than later. No, this is a very interesting thing that you're saying because I think that Mark makes a solid argument that sometimes in the hustle and bustle of life, it's just a crash pad, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what's in this apartment at all. I got my, my, my can opener. I've got my, my basic stuff here and I'm just going to sleep here. But tell me more about what, why it's important to dress up the apartment as if it's your future self. To Mark's point. Yes. If you're, it's, you have to clearly define what the space you're in, what it's serving you for. If it's mm -hmm. just a place for you to, to crash because your dream goal is to save like $30,000. So you could buy your dream car. Like there is a reason to 
your madness, so to speak, like to keeping it very bare and minimum is because you have a separate goal. But like for me, for example, I want to, I want to start my own business and I'm in the process of doing that. So for me, it's really, really important to have a space that kind of reflects the future CEO that I want to be. So I spent a lot of money on my dream desk. And since then it's like, my creativity has kind of gone through the roof and like, I found this amazing painting and every time I look at it, like I get excited. So for me, that's super important. I'm just curious. What's that painting of? um, It's just like (laughs) an abstract painting. There's like a lot of different colors. It's right above my desk right now. And like, like literally a week ago, my boyfriend finally hung it up for me. And it's like, I I was like jumping up and down because I was so excited. So I was like, Oh my God, it looks so good. But beforehand, I was like working on a really, really tiny desk that I got from Ikea. Like it was cute, but like barely functional. I couldn't put any of my stuff on. There were no drawers. I was sitting on a really uncomfortable chair and it like, it, it still served its purpose. And beforehand, I, again, wasn't functioning in the sense of a CEO. I was just using it to do maybe pay for my bills or uh, maybe work on goal setting or whatever, like just using it for very basic things. And so now that I'm kind of like trying to up level, um, it just made sense for me to make an investment in this piece of furniture or this painting or whatever, so that um, I'm in that mindset to be that future person. I want to ask you about, and this is someone, someone once told me that like, if you throw money into something, you kind of like have hair in the game, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering like if this desk costs a decent amount of money, and let's say you're unproductive. Do you feel more guilty because it's like, I have this really fancy desk right now that I, I threw some money in. So I, I really ought to be productive because I, I've kind of invested in this infrastructure. I've invested in these nice things. And if I'm not really working hard, then that was kind of a waste. Is that kind of like the mentality that you're going for a little bit? Yeah. So part of it is, right, you have accountability to yourself if you like tell your family and friends what you're doing and you know that's one level but to look at my desk every single day and know that if if I'm being frank I spent a thousand dollars on this desk I had looked at it for months and it was originally sixteen hundred dollars I got it on sale and like I cried when I bought it because I thought it was so ridiculous for me to pay this amount of money (laughs) every freaking day I look at it and I love it and I like it is such a nice feeling to have something that you you didn't like half ass on like you got exactly what you wanted Um, It fits my style perfectly. It's completely functional. But again, it's I wake up every day and I know if I hit the snooze and I didn't sit down and like do the work on my website or creating content or like goal setting, like it's just a reminder to me that I need to readjust, like remind myself why I bought it in the first place and like what I'm trying to achieve and, you know, the bigger goal, the bigger dream. This is very fascinating because it's almost as if the desk is talking to you. The desk, the, the, oh desk <laughs> the, the desk, the desk is talking to you because it's like, Gabby, you spent a thousand dollars on me and you've got all these like fancy drawers and you have all of this, like, this is oak or whatever. I don't know what it, what it was made out of, but like, it's almost as if it's like beckoning you to the call. Whereas if I just had those tray tables and I just had like my TV dinner stuff, it, it, it's not beckoning me to a higher purpose. Is that, is that, is that kind of right what you're saying? Yeah. So that's kind of my mentality towards this, but, and so again, going back to Mark, you know, if he's in college, his main focus, right. Is maybe to get good grades. Like he's not trying to have the most amazing apartment. Like it, it depends on where your where your head's at and what you're trying to achieve. So I wouldn't say there's a cookie cutter, like one size fits all. Like I definitely wouldn't recommend someone spending a ton of money 
on their space if it doesn't make sense. And same thing with like, you hear a lot of these organizational gurus who are like, yeah, make this pretty and like put all these pretty labels and you have to like get designer this and designer that. And like, I definitely, I don't agree with that at all. Like it's mm. it a hundred percent depends on. So like, for example, if Mark, let's say, yes, he is in college or he just got, you know, his first job out of college and, you know, he doesn't care about his space that much, but he really, really, really wants a serious girlfriend. I'm pretty sure the serious <laughs> girlfriend would have a problem if she, he's like, oh yeah, why don't you come over and like sit on my bed? Cause I don't have a couch. Like, I mean, that's a whole separate thing relationships, but again, it's, it's him be practicing to be that like dream guy for that dream woman that he's looking for or dream guy. If he's, you know, whatever way, you know, whoever he's trying to find, put yourself in that situation on the, like the other end of things, the people who are coming over, um, how would you want them to feel? And also how would you want to feel in your own space? Does it empower you? Does it make you feel kind of crappy? Like these are a lot of questions to ask yourself um, and how that translates in your space. Now, this is interesting because actually what you just described is what I call the uh, the Kenny rule. So my friend Kenny, <laughs> he believes that all human behavior actually revolves around sex and money. Like it just all, it all, it, it all. I mean, <laughs> at the end of it, 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 I mean, it dies, right? In <laughs> so, a really messed up way, but it is true. Right. So the, the Kenny rule says that Mark, well, if he wants to ever get a girlfriend, he's got to clean that place up. He needs to have a bed. He needs to have, well, first off, let's, let's just think about the folding chairs, right? Believe me, Gabby, I'm the ultra minimalist, but even I can't sit in a folding chair. Like, like for, for all, for like 10 hours a day, I think that would really hurt my back and just, it's not very relaxing. And believe me, I try and cut corners and, and my, my, as you can see in the back, my, my walls are pretty <laughs> darn bare. I have nothing, nothing hanging there, but like, I think that certain things, I like what you said about this desk and maybe having a chair that you're proud to sit on, right? Like yeah. I, 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 like I did invest. See, I think the chair I'm sitting on, I got it for like forty bucks from Staples or something like that, and it's really comfortable and it's nice. And I think that 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 helps me work because I, I do sit behind my computer for ten hours a day sometimes, and you need to have a really good chair to do that. And I just, I wouldn't be able to do that with a folding chair. I, I think if I was yeah. on a folding chair, my back, and and maybe you could speak a little bit about that. Um, it's hard for me to even say this word, but uh, something is ergonomic or, or what's that word where ergonomic like an er yeah yeah talk, I, um, could you speak a little bit about that because I think that that actually really grabbed you know that really gets my attention because I'm like all right I really want if I'm going to be in a stationary position I really want to be comfortable so maybe maybe tell me a little bit more about that again it goes back to like what your what your goal is so for you you want to optimize your workspace so that you're the most productive you're pumping out uh, great content, all these things. So it's, I guess when I ever, whenever I'm creating a space or a certain part in my apartment um, or a different section, right? I have like my living room, I have my bedroom, I have like my little dining area. Um, the very first thing is, right? Like do a lot of research on what did it, what type of style you like and what you're trying to get. So, right, there's the higher end of things and then there's maybe the lower end, maybe somewhere in the middle, they both aesthetically look well, but then A, what's the most comfortable? What's going to get you the the best outcome mm. and then what makes the most sense financially because obviously you don't always have to and this is another thing that most people don't know is that there's you don't have to spend a lot of money to make your space look good and feel good and for it to be functional you know especially it's funny that you say a chair because right now I'm sitting in like a very basic kitchen chair and I've been looking for like months for like the perfect <laughs> desk chair and I well, haven't that's found it, it Gabby. Yet. I'm coming over and redoing your place for you <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't 
yeah, so for me, like, it's, it's difficult sometimes to do work for a long period of time, because I'm not sitting in a like a super thick cushioned chair just yet. And like, I just the other day, like my, my chair for the longest time is scratching on the floor. And I was now you're like, making me feel guilty. I, I, do I have to roll this chair over? Yeah. you now? <laughs> <laughs> So um, it is a process, though. And I'm really particular about I want something to look good. I want it to feel really amazing in my space so that it, it provides everything that I need. Oh, I, you, you actually just said my favorite. I, this question I got to ask has been burning right. on my mind. Right. Okay. When you're buying furniture or any of this other stuff, are you going for feels good or looks good? What's more important? Looks good or feels good? I think it's a combination of both. Cause like I actually talking about this chair issue. So I was telling my boyfriend, I was like showing him pictures of, of course, these like really cute, like pink velvet chairs. And he was like, but aren't those comfortable? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, well, if you're going to be sitting at your, your desk all day, you need a comfortable chair. So I'm now looking more into ergonomic chairs, but it's hard because a lot of them, they're kind of like very basic and they're not really the look that I'm looking for. So I'm trying to find something that's in the middle without spending too much money. So it can definitely be challenging because, right, those are conflicting things. Like something that's really cute and like girly and, you know, whatever might not actually be comfortable. And so then it defeats the purpose of me spending money on it. Yes. So now, it totally, it, it just depends. Now, I think you've touched upon something really important here because I think men and women see furniture in a whole- Very different. We see Very it in different. a whole nother way, okay? And uh, you can't really see it, but I have like one of those like lazy boy reclining couches, the, the, the <laughs> leather ones. And let me tell you, my mom and my girlfriend, they hate it. They, they, <laughs> they hate the reclining couch thing. They, they, if it was up to them, they would have like the thing with the, the wooden legs and the whatever pillows or something. But I'm like, I like to read. I like to lean back. I like to, I like to fall asleep in that chair or whatever. But they, they're like, it's, it's ugly. It's ugly, right? And, and men, we just think, well, it's comfortable though. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, it's comfortable. I can like fall asleep at night in this, in this reclining chair. So I think that's kind of important. I think men, men need to appreciate that women like things that look nice. And I think women need to appreciate that my, my hubby or my boyfriend just wants to like fall asleep with the TV on at night. Well, no, I think that they're, they're both like, and this is why, especially in like the workplace and just in general, like it's really important for men and women to come together because we do have different mindsets. And I think there's gold nuggets in each viewpoint because from your perspective, like it does everything that you need, right? It's, it's providing all the needs that you like, it's just, it's serving you in the way that you originally designed like that purchase for, right? That's why you bought it was because of X, Y, and Z versus your girlfriend or your mom or a friend, they're not going to think the same way. So obviously they're not going to make the same purchase, but you just, it's something you have to question constantly. Like if this is elevating you <laughs> and it's actually doing what's why you bought it, what, what it's supposed to serve you or intend to do, or if it's not, because like, for example, my couch, I love my couch and it was, I got it from Ikea and it's really it's really, really cute. It looks great. But like the biggest reason why I bought it was because it's super functional too. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's like, there's like throw pillows on it, whatever, but that's again, for comfort, not necessarily for style. Like my friends come over and they like opt to sleep on my couch versus like, 
in my bed because it's so comfortable. What I what I like that I'm hearing here is that we have to buy everything with purpose. And I think that's the, the key thing yeah. to, to decorating one's home is to buy everything with purpose and to know what your purpose is. And you know, for women, it might be like, let me just have this really nice chair. Let me have this very nice couch. And for men, it's all more, more so like more on the utilitarian, like I need a comfortable work desk or I need a comfortable work chair. And it needs to, it, it needs to be functional. I think, I think that's mm -hmm. what, I think that's what I can only speak to the male mind because that's all I know. <laughs> but like for us, we love functionality. Like we, us men, we, when they, they, we love the USB ports in, in the, um, in the couches. And we like the couches that have the <laughs> cup hold. We like cup holders and we like <laughs> USB ports in our couch. And I don't know. I, I think that like, if you're, you know, I think maybe a, a, a lot of women, they, they, they like to kind of throw back to like Victorian era, like elegance or, or something like that. And they, they kind of want something like that in their furniture more, or I don't know, are women down with the USB ports in the couch? I, well, so the <laughs> wonderful thing that I find that's happening a lot in like interior design or just like, so I'm in commercial real estate and we, I help put together like design spaces sometimes when we're basically pitching a tenant. And so what's wonderful is now we're getting to a point in interior design where they're actually creating things that are really, really cool looking and they're still functional. Mm. Like, so you can have that beautiful Victor Victorian look of things or like me personally, I love things that are a bit grungy. So in industrial looking, you know, my exposed brick behind me, I like love and like exposed pipes and stuff like that, or like huge, like big into modern looking things. Um, but again, they have those USB ports or the cup holders, but they make it look sleek and nice. And so it's almost like both the feminine and the masculine side are satisfied, which I love. I'm very much for it. That's interesting. So like the, the, the exposed pipe is like a male thing. Like that's something for us to enjoy <laughs> and see and be like, whoa, whoa, Gabby. Yeah. Nice exposed pipe. There. Like, <laughs> no, it kind of reminds me of my childhood bathroom. We had like an exposed pipe and back then having exposed pipe in your bathroom was not cool, but now it's cool. So it's kind of interesting how things have <laughs> how things have things have changed. I think I think I think living in New York make a lot. See, that's the funny thing about New York and design is that if cool people are living in an apartment, then the apartment becomes cool. You know what I that's mean? That's like, that's very true. Well, I mean, again, that's like a reflection of who they are as people, and like if they're confident in their space and they like love their space, it's gonna it's gonna reflect. It's like, okay, so the reason why also I got into organizing and like really being into interior design is because I, you know, was going out in the city and going to these cool places or people's apartments. And like, you walk through the door and you immediately just feel like, I don't know, it's like a sense of like, it's not even a sense of luxury. I mean, sometimes it is, but it's just like confidence. It's just like assured, like being sure about who they are or like a feeling of hominess or coziness or like whatever it is, or like, honestly, it smells like money. And like, I want to, I want to walk in my apartment every single day and feel like it smells like money. And like, that's our, again, going back to your friend, Kenny with everything is like sex and money. Like if my apartment feels like that, I think we're winning. So it, um, but, but, but I think you touched upon something really amazing here. And that's this idea that with, with going back to like, maybe having like a crack in your wall or exposed brick or a pipe, I think the confidence of how you feel about that pipe makes a huge difference in the overall perception of your apartment. Because if you walk into somebody's apartment 
and you see their eyes going to the exposed pipe and you you kind of project that nervousness or that, oh, I, I, I've been meaning to call the super about that or whatever, then they kind of feel that negative vibe about pipe. Like they, they, they feel the negative vibe about it. But if you have other things going on in your apartment and you project that confidence, then that pipe becomes a cool, awesome thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's just like a little detail, just the interior design in general is a really big monster. But yeah, I think similar to similarly to how people style themselves from a fashion perspective and right, you can see when someone is wearing a really cool outfit, which like it's cool because they make it cool, not because it's actually like when you think about like high, like high end fashion, like mm. Chanel, like things on the runway, it is ridiculous. Like I look at those things and I'm like, I would never wear that in a million years ever but it's cool because the the people who are wearing it and the energy that they're projecting when they're wearing it so it's like the same thing if you're in your apartment and you are putting things in your walls or like styling how who you are as a person how you feel good or like uh again even if it, it's a functional like your 40 dollars chair like you are really comp like passionate about what you're doing and like you know you have the full setup someone can see that you clearly care about what you're doing like that's going to come through um, when someone sees your space. And I like, I like what you're saying here about it has to match your personality. Right. Mm -hmm. And one, one thing that I wear is I wear these like ridiculously like cheap six, $10, like super Mario shirts and, and star Wars shirts. But the funny part about it, Gabby, is that I always get compliments from people like, like, like sometimes like a security guard will just be, Oh man, I love that shirt. i like, Oh, thank you. And I think that's an example of, your aesthetics matching who you are because mm -hmm. I'm kind of a dorky guy and I wear these dorky <laughs> shirts, it actually matches who I am. So I, I think that when you're, when you're thinking maybe in the world of interior design, it doesn't mean that you have to have like a lavish fireplace or, or some kind of like Picasso painting on your wall. It really just means that the things in your apartment are matching your personality. Yeah. So it's definitely matching your personality, but again, going back to like me and my desk, like it was really important that, well, actually the whole reason I got the apartment that I'm in now was because I wanted to be again in that like CEO, like business type of space. I want to be in a space that inspired me. I wanted to be in the city where there are more people, more connections. Like that was the whole premise of why I did this in the first place. So it only made sense to keep on building on that dream so that my future self in a year will thank me for doing all this now. So again, it depends, but mm. I, I do love interior design, but I would say organization is like the most important thing for me because again, there's right, there's functionality and then there's like making things pretty, like that's a whole nother monster. But if your space, like it can look pretty, but if it's so disorganized and you can't find anything, like your, your stress levels are probably through the roof. Like you're spending too much money because you're buying duplicates of things or like, right, time is money. So if you're losing time trying to find something, like, I don't know, I just, I or, would prefer making sure things are organized before I actually think that they're pretty. Yes, yes. I, I think that that, that that definitely comes first is is organization because we've all where are the keys I, I can't find the keys and and like if you have a designated <laughs> if you have a designated place for where the keys go you never fall into that system here's one I got to ask you about 
papers. Okay. So I get, I get mail, I get a lot of snail mail and it just like piles up. And then I'm like, should I throw, would you have any recommendations? Like what, what, what would you do with papers? Because they, they tend they're the worst culprit of taking up space and you don't even see it coming. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that too, because right before we did this podcast, I remembered, I think it was a couple of pod like episodes ago, you were telling me how you, at your old job, you used to have like your desk full of papers and everyone yeah, was always yeah. like, you don't know where anything is. And you're like, yeah, I do. And you would like pull out the paper that you were looking <laughs> for. And it was like right there under the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Paper has always been frankly a pain in the ass because there's so many different, you can like file it, you can put it binders, you can do all this stuff. And then sometimes it's like, becomes so complex that it defeats the whole purpose. So what I like to do is I have an inbox. So it's just like a little, I used to be literally a cardboard box, but now I've upgraded to like a little mesh type of tray. And so essentially I just will put everything in it. It could be letters. It could be like, you know, random piece of paper that I was like scribbling on or whatever. I don't know, whatever it is, anything that's been sitting on my desk, I just shove it in that little mesh box. Mm -hmm. And then I make it a routine thing that every Sunday before I prep for my week, like pick out my clothes for the week, clean my apartment, whatever it is, prep for food. I always make sure I go through my inbox. So that's like actually paying my bills, like throwing out junk mail, sorting away like important files. Like if I get a bill from a doctor's office and I pay it, I always file it in a binder that I have with like other stuff. Yeah, it's just, and you know what it is too? I actually had a fr my friend Jim, he had the same issue and I told him to do the inbox thing. And he was just like disorganized in general. So I made him do that and like be every Sunday at check-in to make sure he did it. And then after a while, it became like second nature to him and it became a habit that he continually did it every Sunday. And so as a result, it was like a snowball effect to like putting other really other great practices in place to keep him organized. So it's been, it's not so much like there's so such a bigger picture that happens when you get organized, when you start with that really small project, it basically gives you the capability to do more complex things. Essentially. I, now this, this I really am feeling because like when you, when you are organized, you're not only from a practical standpoint, you know, where things are, right. You know yeah. where it is, but I like this idea that your self-esteem also rises with it because I feel like, I feel like as human beings, we do have this, we like to feel like we've mastered an environment. Mm -hmm. And, and, and when I mean mastering an environment, it doesn't always have to be, oh, here's my McMansion and my estate. It just means that I have taken chaos and disorder and I have made it orderly. And something as simple as having a system for organizing your papers is bringing order to chaos and, and allow, and then that makes you feel good. It makes you feel yeah. good that you inv invented a system and you kind of take pride in using up oh, goes from my outbox into my inbox and so forth. I even, you know, one of the people I actually think about now who had a real, my grandmother, she had one of these very old, um, uh, tables and, and it would, you would kind of like roll, you know, roll it up or something like that. And I remember she used to, she paid every single bill on time. Like she never mm -hmm. had any, she didn't even own a, she didn't even have a credit card, right? Like she paid <laughs> everything with check and she never owed a penny in her life. And I remember that this is something that has stuck with me forever is that she actually had a letter opener you know, you know, like the, one of those, like, yeah. like, like, like old so fashioned. It looks like a knife and it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I let, I, I remember watching her using the letter opener to open up the bill and then she would get her checkbook and then pay it and so forth. 
And I remember she did it with such pride and with such grace. And that's something that just most people, when they, when they get a bill, oh, well, like they, they, they have this anxiety when they see the bill and they're just like, oh, let me just throw this in, the, in some corner and hopefully I forget about it. And what ends hmm. up happening, Gabby, is that they do forget about it. And then they get that compound interest or whatever on the next bill and so forth. So I think having this organizational system allows you to pay your bills on time and do it with class and dig- dignity. Yeah. And I mean, again, I'm glad you brought up anxiety in general, because I think as we get older and like, you know, social media, there are so many things in the world now that causes so much anxiety, especially like the political landscape right now. Like there's just, there's a lot of anxiety in the world. So if you can mitigate any, any of that, like you're, you're golden, like even if it's a little bit. So Mm. when you think about organizing that small moment of cleaning up an inbox, it will lessen your anxiety in the future. And so the more that you practice it, you'll not only create less anxiety because you're managing those things earlier, but then you're also learning to manage uh, your mind just in general to handle more complex tasks, but more dire issues that relate to stress or to anxiety. Or frankly, sometimes I don't even want to open up my bills because I'm like, yikes, I don't want to pay anything. But like (laughs) you, it, it forces you to also get really clear with like your money and like your pain points and like all these other things. Like you know, it, it's kind of like when you come back from a trip and there are so many, right? They have like the two, the two categories. There are people who immediately unpack, which is me. And then there's like people who will wait for like a week. And so what I found from just like talking to people and doing research is that a lot of the reasons why people won't unpack is, well, there's a busyness, which is like, right? Things happen. You have kids, a job, whatever. No, but you then unpack there's... that suitcase. I'm, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm a quick unpacker as well. It bothers me. Like I'm not, I'm not <laughs> it does bother me. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing with the suitcase though, is that um, if you come back from the trip, let's say it has nothing to do with busyness, even though that's a mask, there's actually like, yeah, it is there's um, it, maybe you're not unpacking it because you're actually really sad with the reality that you're not, that you're home and you have to go back to a job that you hate. So you're masking mm. it as that you're busy, but you're actually, there's an underlying issue there. And same thing goes for like, maybe there's, you are overwhelmed by the, by the idea of unpacking, like, where do I even begin? And so like, it just, what ends up happening is again, it's the snowball effect of like these other issues will come up because you didn't handle that one small task. So it just blooms and blooms and blooms. And so if you can strategically rework your mind or rewire it to handle these more right basic problems of unpacking your suitcase, it will train you to take on the bigger, more difficult problems of like, oh, how do I save more money? Or like, how do I get that dream job? Which I know it sounds far-fetched, but they do go hand in hand over time. I love what you're saying here. That that was very deep. I never even thought about the suitcase and it being a mirror for your general unhappiness with like a job you don't want to go back to and so forth. And I I think that that's actually true of procrastination in general. Like Mm -hmm. procrastination is a means of like not facing reality and not facing something that's really unpleasant about our current existence. And I think the suitcase kind of encapsulates that idea because when we talk about interior design and whatever, like unpacking your suitcase and putting it away in the hamper or going down to the laundry, that has nothing to really do with money, right? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. cost anything to unzip that freaking suitcase and put it away. That's a, a, a procrastination tool. But I like what you're saying that if you're in the habit of unzipping that, that suitcase, putting it away, you actually build all these like micro actions 
mm-hmm. are causing you to have micro levels of confidence. Like yeah. you're, you're gaining micro levels of confidence by all these small tasks that you're doing. Yeah. And it will compound over time. So like for the exam, again, going back to the inbox thing, like I think when I was younger, I was definitely a lot less organized because I, especially from the standpoint of money, like I wasn't making a lot. I really, you never really taught like how to save or manage money in general. Like they're just like, here you go. Like got to pay taxes. Like just, (laughs) we'll figure it out. So I like really wanted to get better at managing my money. And so a good, a good chunk of doing that is like me just coming to terms with like, this is my financial reality. Like this is how much I'm making. This is how much I'm saving. This is how much I'm spending, which was a huge thing that I need to like work on. But like, it, it was really uncomfortable to keep looking at these things, but it forced me to like be able to make better decisions later on. So that I don't like, for example, one thing that I've heard over and over again is like, if you, from a money standpoint, if you can't, or even from a stress standpoint, any standpoint, if you can't manage what's happening right now in your reality, like let's say you're making X amount of money and you can't manage that, how are Mm. you going to manage more money? Right. Yes. So if you're having this much stress right now and you want to do big things, how are you going to manage more stress in the future if you're not tackling it right now? Yes. Yes. So it's like, it's really important to be uncomfortable now with unpacking your suitcase or, you know, whatever it is so that you can grow. You know, and, and I, I, I love I, I love this, and it actually reminds me of something a former teacher colleague once told me. He said, "If you've ever lost control in life, or you ever feeling really like stressed out, just start cleaning some random thing. Yep. Like, and you know, like like organize your refrigerator, start cleaning your stove, start, um, you know. And, and what's interesting is that in psychology." We've, we, we would actually call this like, oh, you're just mask, you're just hiding your behavior, you're just staying busy to avoid something. But I'm like, well, not exactly, because I think that there are times in our life, Gabby, where we've lost control over everything, right? There's things that are happening at work. There's things that are happening in a relationship. And they truly are out of our control. We've done everything that we can. And I think that when you start cleaning your apartment, it actually gives you power over something. And, and us humans, we like to feel powerful. Like that, that is something that's true to yeah. our nature. And it's like, if I can't convince my boss of something and he just, or he or she just will not budge, then I can at least have some kind of power by you know vacuuming the floor or mopping the kitchen or doing one of these things. And you feel better, not just because it's cleaner, but because you exercised your power in some way. Yeah. And that's actually something that I routinely do because especially with like building this business is there's moments where I have like, like I I can't, I'm having a creative block or I like I'm stuck on something or just like mentally it's just not clicking. And so I have to be really like firm with myself and make sure I'm not doing it out of avoidance, but I'll do like kind of um, a quick cleanup or like reorganize my desk, which is remarkably helpful. But where what I like to refer to is called the 10 second tidy. So back then there was this show on TV. I forget what the name of it. Oh, the big comfy couch, which is now showing my age, but like it was in the nineties. And, um, I think the reason that was after had, me. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm older. <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> um, but so essentially I think the reason why they put that in the show was to encourage children to clean up their messes. But for me, I saw it as like a really great tool that I use very, very often if I ever have creative, like creative, um, like writer's block or like like just creative juices are not flowing or like 
frankly, I'm feeling overwhelmed, anxious, like can't get the job done, even if it's something that's so, so simple, I will like literally for a minute, put a timer on my phone and just like clean up my desk. And when the minute's done, like I observe and just see how I feel. And usually almost like hundred percent of the time, I feel 10 times better because you've checked off a box. And so it's like, it's like when you have a, like a huge to-do list, you start with the little tasks first to give you that inertia, like unpacking your suitcase, that small little tasks so that you could take on the bigger things that are more important. I like this. And I, w- another thing that I'm thinking, especially with, 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 with us as humans is that we're not meant to sit so much. This, this is just a fact of, of what we are is that, you know, our ancestors ran around, we hunted, we, we were on our feet quite a bit. And, you know, it's sad. Sometimes when I was, when I took my students on a field trip, Mister, I can't walk anymore on my feet. I'm like, listen, man, <laughs> we've been walking around for 30 minutes, dude. Just, just, you know, and as teacher, as former teachers, we would routinely be teaching and standing up for five hours a day. And that was actually one of the things I loved about teaching because I like to stand up. I don't really mm-hmm. like to sit all that much. It, it kind of depresses me. And I think that, you know, we have many ways of getting exercise. We can take a walk or we could just go to the gym or, or physically exercise. But I think cleaning is actually a form of exercise that you're really killing two birds with one stone with this because you're getting the exercise and you're enhancing your apartment. And, and like you said, I think sometimes we have writer's block because we're sitting too long and just the act of getting up for 10 minutes and cleaning something not only renews your self-esteem and confidence, but just that walking, that, 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 that just walking around for a little bit actually filter, like clears out the mind in some way. Yeah. It gets away like the stagnant energy, as they say, like it's kind of a feng shui thing of like moving energy around, but it's kind of the same, the same thought of mm. just pumping back blood into your legs, shifting things around. I don't know. Also, like if there's a lot of dust in your apartment, which sounds silly, like it's the equivalent of like stagnant energy. And so it just doesn't, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. And then once you clean it up, it's like a renewed, you're almost renewing, you know, your space. You're like rejuvenating it. Yes. The dust. Yeah. I let, yes. It's rebirth. Like you're giving rebirth. And, And that's something else. If you see a lot of dust on something, you might actually think something is old and, and worn out. And you're thinking, well, I'm surrounded by old and worn out things. Thus, thus I am old and worn out. Right. And, and it's like, but no, I mean, like we have this, this, we have this way of, of like seeing, we, we have this way of like seeing our, our reflection in some of these objects, right? And one of the mm-hmm. mistakes people make is that they spend frivolous money and say, well, let me get a new object. Well, let, let me get a new whatever. But I'm like, whoa, wait, wait a minute there. What if we kind of dusted that off? Or or like, what if like, like the, I'll give you the, the best one, right? The stove, okay? Mm-hmm. If you don't clean your stove, it really looks old and it looks Disgusting. really Disgusting. Yeah, it does. It now, looks so bad. <laughs> it looks really, really, really bad. And like some, oh, well, we just have to, it's an old stove. I need to throw it away. And actually it was, it was funny. I just did a podcast on frugality and Christopher, he said this, this wonderful quote that I just fell in love with is old is not a synonym for broken. And yeah. I, I, that, that was, that That's just really like actually even wonderful when you think about people in general, which is really sad, but like Americans, we definitely don't value our elders like maybe other cultures are in general because of maybe that notion of like, yes, they're old and decrepit and they can't do anything. Like that is in no way a reflection of like your objects or things in life. Like that doesn't, I actually really like when, like my my fireplace behind me is so old and I like, I love it so much. I also take really, really good care of it. But I mean, it's to your point of like, 
sometimes things just need TLC or you need to move it around or switch up the actual use of the item to make it cool again. I mean, there are so many things, especially being in New York City, when you go to these thrift stores that mm. you have really dated or old things and they're like really, really cool. You just have to figure <laughs> out what, what the best use of it is for. Yes. And also like I, another thing that Christopher said is like, handle your stuff like you're holding an infant. And I, and this also, I, I think, because I, I have this idea in my head, Gabby, that um, especially I see kids of the younger generation just throwing their cell phones, just throwing like $500 phones. And I, that drives me nuts. No, 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 no. This, this, this upsets me. Like there's no tomorrow. I see these, you know, young 16, 17, they just throw the freaking self. Oh, whatever. I'll buy another one. I don't care if it cracks. Like, yeah, mom and dad will. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There, there is that. But also, and I've noticed you know, I actually thought about this a lot more is that when you throw things around like this and you don't care about them, I think it's kind of a way of your subconscious saying you don't care about yourself because if you, if you love yourself, then the things that you touch and the tools that you use, you also love those things as well. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you go out and buy the most expensive version of those tools and of those things, but you just love the ones that the the tools and the things in your house that you already have. And you take really good care of them and you take pride out of them because you have pride in yourself. Yeah. That's a great, that's a, I love that you mentioned that. I also, it gets under my skin when I see younger kids like doing stuff like that, because I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea the value of money yet. Just wait until you get older. Like, yes. important thing. <laughs> but I think that also ties back into like designing your home and like how you treat your space. And even honestly, a lot of this is why I use the word space so much versus just home is like, I have helped a couple of people like in their businesses and like you can transform not only your productivity, productivity levels, but like the, just like how you're, business actually works and like how like successful you are just based on how it looks and how it feels because I don't know about you but I've been in offices that are just like they're hideous or like the fluorescent lights are like like nails on a chalkboard like I want to die like it's just not the ideal environment and then I've been in like workplaces that are like there's a lot of greenery or like the, the ventilation that you see is great there's like you know, I have a really, really comfortable desk chair and like it makes the world of a difference. A lot of offices are now going for like connected to nature sort of mm-hmm. vibe. And, you know, like, yeah, you know, as a minimalist, I, I can say though that like fluorescent lighting is very painful. Like just if you're yeah. sitting, if you're sitting under that for a very long time and, and, and this is part of why I liked to sometimes take like two hour walks, you know, when I could at, at lunch or whatever, just because I needed to be reminded of, the the outside and it's kind of weird if you think about how offices work the most high status people get corner offices with windows so yeah it's, almost, it's like it's almost like we it's a privilege to be able to look outside a window and it's almost, right it's it, so kind of, hard like when you think about <laughs> when you think about it it's like it it's it, it's sad and and i did i did remember when i was looking for an apartment and i, I did find this very nice one bedroom apartment it was gorgeous looking all new appliances and I didn't take it, even even with my, you know, like I guess I wasn't as much of a stoic back then because it was a basement apartment and there were no windows. That actually I did was, the same thing. I that, right that, before this apartment, I actually was gonna move into one that was also a lower unit. Yeah. Um, like the floor unit. And it was beautiful, like brand spanking new, like redone. But because of the issue of not getting direct sunlight, I just felt like I was gonna be depressed all the time. Like I do so much better when I'm in an area that's like 
super bright and like I love like that's one of the key reasons why I got this apartment too is because the amount of light that comes in here and like I'm surrounded by trees and the birds are outside like it's just it's it's a perfect environment for creativity and like just general like frankly happiness like it does light does make a difference yes yes yeah I, I think I think I, my my apartment doesn't catch that much light but I just like I get some light in the morning but I just like having a window I yeah. actually I, the, we had a I think yesterday um like a blue moon or, or one of these things yes, out there yes it was like the first blue moon that, um since like 1944 something yes. crazy like that on Halloween it was like and that was something something that was something I just wanted to see and it was kind of nice that I could kind of I had a duck a little bit what it was nice that I could see the outside world and I like to see when it's raining I like to know hey it's raining out there or oh it's, yeah. it looks like a beautiful day out there and that that is actually something really important I don't know maybe these like basement apartments should be banned or, or something should be <laughs> done with them because like even I even I like even if you're a hardcore stoic come on now like no sunlight no window like well again <laughs> it goes back to like I see I don't do well in air in like apartments like that just because I, I know yeah, but yeah. it's for some people that might be exactly what they need because of the outcome they're trying to achieve. So if you have mm. someone who like, they, um, they like the dark because they work at night. And so during the day they want to sleep all day. And if they have a really bright apartment, they won't be able to go to sleep. So ah. they have a darker apartment and it completely suits their needs and they're happy and it's fine. It definitely depends. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm th- now I'm thinking about my friends that work at night they probably would love a basement apartment where the sun is not waking them up every five seconds because, you know, that's the, the you know, they're basically nocturnal creatures. They, they, <laughs> they, they need, they need that sun to be gone. And that's, that's like an example of having beauty in your life, but at the same time, having utility out yeah. of your life, you're actually getting the best of both worlds because you can, you can decorate that apartment and, and, and suit it to your needs. But then from a very utilitarian standpoint, it's like, Hey, I sleep during the day. It's gotta be dark in here. Yeah. So the last thing I I, I wanted to touch with you, Gabby, is what happens if, you know, some of us may not be lucky enough to live by ourselves when we live with other people, you're going to be brushing against people who have different tastes and they have different preferences. You know, again, even, even just a husband living with a wife, husband wants the cool lazy boy, wife (laughs) wants the Victorian couch. So I'm just, I'm just wondering like how, when you're looking at space and especially in New York city, space is tight. Very limited. How, how, what are concessions you could make or how do you have rules about space? I think that's really important. Sure. So as someone who used to have, I used to have two roommates. So it was the three of us in, you know, our apartment. And like, obviously we were all completely different. We worked in completely different fields and obviously had very different tastes. So there was a lot of bunking of heads on how to like stylize things or just frankly, how to keep things clean, which is like a whole nother thing, but then just <laughs> also like organization of like where to store things, um, mm. all that. Like it does get really difficult at times because it's just, you're just different people, but there is, again, going back to the idea of like, well, for, for me, the reason why I had roommates is because I wanted to save money to get into the apartment that I'm in right now. And I want sure. to pay off my student loans. So I was willing to compromise on the rest of my apartment, not being hundred percent what I wanted to be, but I made sure my room was exactly how I wanted it to be. It felt really, really good. I had bright light. It suited all my needs. And at the same time, I was able to like, you know, attribute the goal of, again, saving the money and paying off the student loans, which two years later, I was able to get this. So for me, compromising 
it wasn't necessarily compromising because I essentially got what I wanted. It just wasn't immediate. So I think also in a sense, it teaches you patience, which none of us really have that much. But the other thing too, is it taught me a lot about communication. So when you have, um, especially not so much roommates, cause that's a temporary thing, but if you have a spouse, right, you you're married and like, you've, you know, made that agreement until death to us part or a divorce, but um, <laughs> essentially like you, when you got married or decide to live together, you already compromised because right. You have different maybe different jobs, different, uh, again, you want the lazy boy, the wife doesn't. So it's, uh, you have to maybe have those like tough conversations of like, I don't really like this, or I do like that. Or like, Hey, where can we meet in the middle? Which I think is super, super important in general as a culture who maybe is not doing so well in the area of communication, but maybe the compromise is okay. We're going to keep the lazy boy right now until we find a better alternative that suits both of our needs. So there's always a way around it. It's just a communication B what's the higher goal. And then um, just see figuring out like if there's another way around it. So maybe you do, you're really tied to your lazy boy. You don't want to get rid of it. So maybe the agreement is that again, I know New York city, the space is tight, but like maybe the lazy boy stays in one area of the apartment and that's like your space. Like, right. You have your lazy boy, Mm -hmm. your desk is right there. That's like your, home and maybe she has her own separate area that's like her desk and her fancy Victorian style whatever like (laughs) there's definitely ways to make it work especially I know in apartments it's it's obviously maybe you have a studio and you can't necessarily split up based on rooms but like you can almost like designate certain areas to specific tasks or specific um people's things like for example my friend Jim Mm -hmm. he um he is a business owner but his business is based in his apartment so he obviously is clashing because he has like his personal home where he like has people over and socializes but then he has the business area so yeah when I was working with him the biggest help was me designating okay this is where you're going to do your work and then when you leave this area and you go to your bed like work is not involved you do not bring work in there like there are two different places that you do two different forms of business so I think if you can somewhat do that in your apartment that's super helpful but again it goes back to how maybe doing research on different alternatives of the lazy boy or just coming up with a solution to how you can make it both work for both of you. No, I love what you're saying. And I I love the fact that you're actually operating within the parameters of a studio apartment, because, um, you know, if you have multiple rooms, like this is my room, this is my son's room. I mean, that that takes a certain level of privilege to get to that level where everyone has their own rooms. And then it's pretty self-explanatory, like, okay, this is my room, please get the hell out of here. And, <laughs> and like, you know, this is my space, right? Like it's, and we as humans are very much like dogs. A dog will do its business on a hydrant and that's a signal to other dogs. Do not come here. Like leave, leave. <laughs> this is my hydrant. Don't you dare, don't you dare sniff your, your whatever here. So we as humans are very much like that. And I think like, for example, right now I'm sitting at my computer desk And I actually become a different person at my computer desk than I do on my couch. I'm actually a a completely different person. And it's very funny because I don't have that much space that I'm dealing with here. But it's funny that because I have a designated work area, a designated computer area, I actually, I, I probably sit up a little bit better. I, I am less distracted. I'm not watching any YouTube. I just become a whole different person when I'm at my computer desk because I have made some kind of 
mental designation that a computer desk is for work. And then when I recline on the couch, I'm actually, I turn, I actually turn to a different person. I become yeah. probably um, lazier or, I, or a little bit more relaxed or, or whatever. And, you know, maybe even my vocabulary changes. I don't know. But like, it's really funny that you mentioned that you should have designated spaces for your, the different facets of your personalities. Yeah. I mean, even like, so my couch is literally behind me and like, I've tried to take my laptop and do work on there and it like, it's not productive. Like it's not, I've, no. I've tried sitting up, laying down, like doing all these different things. And it's never a hundred percent. I'm not, the output is definitely not the same as it is when I'm sitting at my desk. Right. I have the more space. I have my cork board in front of me. I have my pens. Like this is the optimal space for me to make them like put out the most content, the most work, the most, whatever it is. But that is perfect for me binging Netflix. Like that's just, that's how it's designed. I go read my <laughs> books there. Like if I have friends, they stay over on that couch. Like it's just a comfy area that I relax in. But something that, especially, especially being in New York city, when you have limited space, is like starting to be really observant of like what areas um, generate certain feelings or like, you know, uh, you work best in, or you don't work best in, or serves X purpose. So like, for example, right next to me, I have like a very, very small alcove and I stuck a, like a table in there and that's like my eating, like that's where I eat or where I have friends over if we play cards or like whatever it is. So like I've now designated, I have like my social area, I have like my work area and then I have like my lounge area. So they're, they're all three different places and they serve three different purposes. Wow, wow. And I like, sometimes even people like influence how we view space. And that's mm -hmm. something, I, I just thought of that in my head. Like, uh, for example, I think of a lot of people, one of the first things they do, like when they get a divorce is they're like, I want out of this place. Like they, yeah. they, their mind just goes into this place because they, they can't help but see, oh, that's where my husband used to stand. That's where my, you know, that's where we got into an argument there in the kitchen and stuff. So it's, it's amazing how, the people in our lives come to kind of occupy that space because you have all of this, this visual memories that, that come into every, everything that's there. And I, I think there's something to be said about like knowing what those spaces were used for and how, what, what kind of area of their personality. And it's like, it's nice that you have a table where you play cards with your friends, right? And that, that then even when your friends are gone, the, the memory of you playing cards with your friends at that table remain at that table. And you, you still have those like sensations left over. It's, it's kind of, yeah. we're, we're kind of weird like that. Yeah. And that's something I think people aren't so much aware of is that like, again, your space is really important. So like, I remember my very first apartment towards the end of my lease, like I knew instinctually like that I was going to leave there and it wasn't right for me to be there anymore. A, because I was associating not so great events to that apartment. So in like, in, you know, as a result, I wasn't feeling good every time I was there. And then when I left, it was like, oh, I feel so much better. So me just picking up on that, I made the realization of like, oh, I need to leave. And then immediately once I moved out of the apartment felt so much better. So it's the same thing of you go, if you design a place and you have found a place that feels good, you're going to continually have those feelings of feeling good. So, and when you feel good, you think better thoughts. And when you think better thoughts, you take better actions. And when you take better actions, you make better, you have better results. Mm. So it's like a constant. So if, if you're in a space that doesn't feel good, or let's say a trauma happens, right. Or again, divorce, and you need to leave it. If you're going into there and are angry, you're going to have angry thoughts, which then produce angry results. 
I love that. So to, to kind of tie this whole conversation up in a nice bow, if we go back to our, <laughs> if we, if we go back to our friend Mark here, right? No one's telling Mark, listen, dude, you need to have like a fancy Victorian couch and, and, and all of this, you know, like gaudy furniture in your house. No one's saying that at all, but it seems that his like mattress on the floor and his folding chairs suggest that he doesn't really take life too seriously. He doesn't take pride in himself, right? Like, so this is actually kind of like digging into his subconscious a little bit. And maybe he has hangups from previous living quarters that he lived in where it was like, you know, maybe Mark in his previous place cleaned meticulously, but then he had some stupid roommate that kept on like spilling things and ruining it. So he kind of just adapted the mindset of like, well, space is space. So I, I think that if we see our space and, and we, we, we sort of separate like spending a lot of money from just having pride in the way that we maintain our space, I think that that can put us in a, men, in a better mental headspace. Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, organization and like how you design your space will 100% like help produce the results that you're trying to get if you mindfully and consciously, you know, make those decisions of like, yes, I want to keep the folding table because I am trying to save money or whatever it is, or I'm doing this because I don't know, I'm being lazy and don't care. Like, well, they do, they do play a part in how things kind of pan out. I, I agree with that. I think, I think it's okay not to buy something because you don't have that money or that's not mm-hmm. your life purpose. But if it's just a question of like, I don't really give a crap and, and that you kind of have that very like cavalier attitude towards it because you don't really care about life, then that's actually touching upon something much deeper. No, you're, yeah. you're 100% right. Gabby, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm going to go clean my windows now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This concludes the 64th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.